Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Among the world of true crime, you can find many types of stories. There are tales of bloody murder, crude torture, inspiring survival, and even the strangest of mysteries. The story of the Headless Valley is probably the oldest story we have covered to date on this podcast, with roots that go back tens of thousands of years, where tribes of indigenous warn all those they can against making the journey through the virtually untouched Nahani Valley. But as with all warnings, there are always people who do not heed the words of caution. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Warning. The following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Yeah, it's been a rough day. Been a rough day? Yeah. It's, it's tough working for yourself, hey? It kind of is, actually. And generally, the days fly by. But today, it dragged the shit on. Why like, I literally fuck? feel like it's midnight for some reason. Really? It's, well, I mean, it's almost nine, but still. Yeah. It's definitely not midnight. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it was because I was doing kind of more like financial behind the scenes banking related oh. shit that just like drags you through the mud. All that good entrepreneurial fun stuff. Yeah. The stuff that no one talks about that just sucks you dry. You know, the best part about actually being able to work at home and being for yourself though. What's that? I can have an alcoholic beverage whenever I want and my boss doesn't give a shit. Which is awesome. It is awesome. I mean, you are your own boss, so... I'm sure you well, give a yeah. shit in some sense. <laughs> well, I know. But if I'm like at lunch, I'm like, okay, I I don't drink a lot. But like at lunch, if I'm like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine or maybe an hour before my day ends, like it doesn't matter. Like it's fine. Fair enough. My I'm, boss is totally fine with it. I'm pretty sure my boss would be pissed. <laughs> That's what I have to say. The sa- Yeah, the safety guy is not allowed to drink on the job. Okay? No, no. Safety guy is not allowed to go to work and say, hey, do this shit safely. I'm going to go drink a beer over here. <laughs> I don't think that would fly. You would not last long. Probably not. Oh, boy. Although I think I would probably be one of the more popular safety people ever. Yeah. (laughs) So we hit a big milestone. We did. Yeah, we kind of hinted at it last episode, but we didn't announce it. Um, We did put it up on our social media. On Instagram. uh, Because it it was a reel, so I don't think we put it on Facebook. Okay, that's right. Um, But but we hit... One million downloads. Woohoo! Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I think it was only about seven months ago that we celebrated half a million downloads. Yeah. 
So that is pretty incredible. Thank Mind you guys blowing. so much. Yeah, you guys are freaking amazing. Yeah. You blow our minds. Boom. Yeah. That was my mind blowing. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone and Ben's the one presenting, so we're screwed. Well, that was the episode today. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Stay wicked. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, before I do present my mind blown case, those two have nothing to do with each other, but I just said it that way anyways, because why not? I have a Patreon to thank. We had, we do. We had one person sign up on Patreon. So this is our shining star this week, Ryan McGeechee. I really hope I said your name right. Sounds thank like, you, Ryan. I'm, I'm pretty sure it rhymes with peachy. So Ryan McGeechee. It sounds like you said it right. I hope I did. Ryan will let us know. Let I, us know, Ryan. Let us know if we said it right or wrong. Um, we're going to assume for now we got it right. Mm -hmm. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to get into this one, though, because this is going to be a fun episode. We were just looking back at um, some of the ones I've been doing recently because it was a couple months ago. We're like, we've been doing really heavy shit. Mm -hmm. I looked at the ones I've done specifically. You've covered a couple heavy ones, but I specifically have been going with some like oddball ones. How did you word it? Weird or strange or something? Uh, out of the box. Or what did I say? Oh, I, can't I can't remember. We did a pre-show on Patreon and I, I don't even know. But anyways, said, but. some some different ones. Yeah. And I got another different one for you here today. Have I done any lighthearted ones? I don't know. I maybe need to look back and you maybe need to tell me to do a lighthearted one. You're all about like necrophilia stuff. Hey, no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. I've done maybe like a handful, if that, of those kind of cases. Yeah. And I think I've done like zero of them. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I do tend to pick heavier cases, so I'll have to maybe try to get a lighthearted one here. Well, when I pick heavy cases, it's usually graphic stuff. And oh, yeah. Pick like disturbing stuff. Yeah. And because the, the heaviest cases that we've done, you have done, though. I will say that. I don't know. Like for what was Not it? All. 44 Days of Hell. Yeah. The Juco. Hello Kitty one. Those are horrific. Yeah. But you've also done some horrific ones, too. Like the, the Japanese dude, what was his name? You thought that one was horrific. The, yeah. The celebrity cannibal or whatever yeah. his name is. Fuck it, him. But that was disturbing. It wasn't as graphic as, it. Pro actually it was. He chopped people he up and eating ate them. people. <laughs> Never mind. How is okay. that not graphic? <laughs> we have to move on. I'm spiraling. You're digging yourself a hole. I've done some brutal ones. Well, today, like I said, it's a different one. It's um another mystery. This is the case known as the Valley of the Headless Men. Okay. So this episode takes place in the Nahani Valley, which is located in the Canadian Northwest Territories. Awesome. We're bringing it home to Canada for this one. Yeah, we said we were overdue. And this valley is a large untouched area that is basically straight out of a fantasy story. It is currently listed uh, as an... Yuseko World Heritage Site. And it's basically like there's these 50 sites worldwide that it's like these are kind of like a natural wonder of this world sort of mm, thing. Okay. Um, I think there was 50 of them on this list. This is one of them. And it is uh, 47, or sorry, 470,000 hectares Ooh. of undisturbed natural area. Really? Yes. Holy shit. It's filled with massive jagged mountains, large expanse, lush forest, rolling rivers, and a hell of a lot of wildlife. And is it untouched touched mostly just because it's kind of hard to get to? It's dense or? 
Or I, you'll be going over that maybe. We'll be going over that. Okay. So it is a remote location. Its closest civilization is Yellowknife, which is over 500 kilometers away, which I believe is about 300 miles. Okay. Um, and I think that's only like 20,000 people. So not a very big no. location next or even close to it. So this patch of land is quite literally one of the hardest places to visit in the world. Wow. It's insane. Now, it is only accessible to fly in by plane or travel upriver by a long journey of boat ride, unless one quite literally plans on traveling through literal, uncharted, dense boreal forest on foot. Oh, my gosh. That's is, terrifying. Which is like weeks, probably like maybe even like month plus of travel. Like, good luck. Yeah. So, all in all, it's a nat nature lover's dream. Uh, the South Nahani River would take visitors through the four canyons that are over 3,000 feet high. Whoa. And I could not clarify how deep some of these rivers are, but it seems like many of these rivers in some of these areas, sorry, this river in many areas is like exceeding like 1,000 feet deep. Holy shit. Uh, again, couldn't clarify it, but that's what it seems. It's, it's fucking unfathomable, basically. You almost have to wonder if there's what's there, right? Like, oh, yeah. cause you can't explore depth like that in a river. So it's like, gosh, oh, what's, no. what's living down there? And going through these, cause there's four canyons. They're literally labeled like first, second, third, fourth canyon. Going through these canyons, it's like sheer rock walls. And it's like, it's called the Canadian Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. You can't get off the riverbed. You're just on a river with thousand oh, feet deep water oh, below Oh my gosh. You, oh my gosh. And thousands of feet of rock cliff sheer up beside that's a visual that's terrifying yeah some of these sections it's like it gets dark because it's like blotting out the sky and shit holy shit yeah. i mean how dark i don't know but i'm sure it's like it gets very little sunlight it's okay. wild yeah i feel like i wouldn't even i wouldn't at first i was like oh i want to go explore over there if you can but no thanks there are some exploration um ventures you can take out in these areas but it's very costly and very restricted mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, they played home to, like I said, these deep rivers, these massive freaking mountains. Um, they also have plenty of deep, unexplored caves along these canyon walls, um, massive waterfalls, and, of course, animals that have had absolutely zero contact with humans. So I imagine walking through would be like freaking Snow White with deer just standing next to you, zero fear sort of thing. Um, one waterfall in the area is actually named Virginia Falls. It stands a massive 92 meters high, which is twice the size of Niagara Falls. Wow. And is labeled as one of the most beautiful waterfalls in the world. Well, yeah. Is there photos of that? Yep. I'm going to have to look that up. That Do sounds it up. amazing. Do it up. Virginia Falls. It's amazing. I'd hmm. be so lucky to see that in a lifetime. Now, the waterfall has actually sparked many stories and legends on its own. Like you said, it's like what's in there. People haven't been able to explore it, right? Mm -hmm. So some of these we'll discuss a little bit later on here. But one of them uh, I want to mention is that the waterfall actually filled the valley below with so much mist that it was like very humid environment down there below, like lots of moisture in the air. So much so that a rare orchid is actually said to bloom in the area. Okay. See, I was feeling like there's things in this area that we probably haven't seen regularly. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, now, no rare Canadian orchid has ever been proven to exist in the shadows of these falls. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the story is untrue because, like we've said, 
the exploration is pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. So the Nahani Valley, though, is it, it's an untouched landscape. It's a wonder. It's a beauty. But despite all this, very few people and almost no one actually wants to go there. Now, probably because A, it's dangerous as shit, like traveling in there. And B, I mean, it's northern Canada, especially near the winter. Cold as fuck, right? Like, um, <laughs> can say that again. But, I mean, jokes aside, there's also another reason why people generally stray away from the area. Now, it all starts with the Denehe people. Now, they can trace back their ancestry back over 10,000 years before the Europeans ever landed in the area in the 18th century. They pass stories down from generation to generation, and still, to this day, they pass these stories down. Now, they warn anyone trying to go into the valley that they're about to step into an extremely evil place. Okay. Because what did you title this, or what did you say it was called? The Valley of the Headless Men. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. Now, their ancient stories tell... Of an ancient tribe. I I probably should have used better words description there. They're ancient stories tell of an ancient tribe. My bad on that one. But anyways, they tell of this ancient tribe of warriors that once lived in the Nahani Valley and the terrible fate that happened to them. Now, the Denehe tribe once had been war with these people and they were called the Naha people who lived in this valley. Hence the Nahani Valley, Mm, the Naha people. Yep. So the Naha were an aggressive people. They were strong and stood very tall, especially compared to anyone in the Denehe tribe. They wore fierce masks that struck terror into those who came face to face with them. Some stories say that they wielded weapons unlike any that the Denehe people had ever seen before. And other stories even said that they were a tribe of cannibals. So according to the Denehe people, they were constantly living in fear of the Naha. All too often, they would find themselves waking up in the middle of the night to screams as their village was under attack. Now, the Naha would attack them. They would steal food, pillage, and kill the strongest warriors in their tribe before they disappeared back into the darkness of the valley, leaving behind the terrified people wondering when they would be back. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, because they're just like weakening the tribe. Every attack then. Hey, that's terrifying. Exactly. Constantly trying to keep it as weak as possible yeah. would most likely have been their goal. Mm-hmm. So the Denehe tried as best as they could to keep themselves prepared to fight back. But the Naha attacked so often that they could never really stand a chance. They couldn't get their strength up. That is, until one day, the Denehe finally managed to get a party of warriors ready to strike back. The Naha hadn't attacked for a while, and it was just long enough that they were able to prepare this offensive attack onto the Naha. So, under the cover of darkness, the Denehe made their way into the valley and found the Naha village, and they stormed into their homes, hoping to end the war right then and there. But when they did so, they were met with a very baffling discovery. The Naha were nowhere to be found. They vanished. Just gone. That would be like eerie, hey? Like you're just... Guns ablaze and like going in there, gonna stir some shit and just yeah, no one's there. It's like you you finally have this pause. It's just enough time to fight back, and you go in, and now you're learning why there's this pause. But you'd almost wonder. I feel like I would at first think, okay, where the shit are they? Like, are they expecting us to come? Like, holy shit, where are they hiding? Yeah, 
you're probably almost panicking. Yeah. Did they go to our village? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you'd probably have a lot of things running through your mind. Is this an ambush of sorts? Are they over in our village right now? Are they waiting in the bush line to come ambush us as we're in there? Like who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was their entire village though, mind you, not just their warriors. Their entire village was gone. Um, it was deserted. Their teepees reportedly stood there still tall, but not a single person was around. It looked like everyone in the whole village had just gotten up that day, dropped everything and disappeared. And just vanished. Hmm. So both the Denehe and the Naha people reportedly already spoke of evil spirits that I kind of already alluded to and also giants that lived nearby that stole people away cooked them in the hot springs in the valley. Oh my gosh. So when the Denehe warriors found the Naha village completely deserted and they were nowhere in sight, no matter Uh where they looked, they assumed that this was probably their fate. Holy, which is, I don't know. Terrifying I feel like the most terrifying outcome possible because then you're like, are we next? Like how would you even fight that, right? Oh, exactly. So they, they brought this news back to their home, to their own village. And after that, they never stepped foot back in that valley again they didn't want to anger whoever or mm-hmm. whatever caused the naha to, to disappear and like you said they wanted to avoid the same fate yeah so or try to at least yeah so that valley was after that strictly off limits no one went in there and still to this day the denehe people claim that one that sorry no one from the naha was ever seen again wow but their disappearances would only be the first of a very long and disturbing history regarding this place. Holy, okay. This is fucking scary. Oh yeah. It's this, terrifying. This is like I said, this is a different different tale here. But I never said it's not going to be a bad one, not <laughs> interesting still cuz holy fuck. Well, the freaking whole tribes just disappearing. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And it's one thing to think of like an ancient story of like tribes disappearing, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, there's stories of that all around the world, which there really is. Think mm-hmm. the Mayans, for example, yeah. all this sort of stuff, Egyptians, whatever. But now we have this history moving forward still thousands of years where it continues. Yeah, it's still like untouched land. Like you don't go there. Yeah. So bringing us forward several thousand years into the 18th century, many places all over the United States, North America, Canada, we're all expecting, or sorry, experiencing what we now call the gold rush. Mm-hmm. We actually have a town not too far from us known as Barkerville. Yeah, we love Barkerville. It's awesome oh. there. Uh, so if you ever get the chance, head to Barkerville. It's an awesome little place. Gold rush town. Beautiful. Lots of history. Anyways, I digress. So they're experiencing the gold rush. Entire towns and villages sprang up in remote Locations previously uninhabited, patches of land to support these prospecting miners, all of them in search of gold, mm-hmm. right? Think the uh, strike to get their what is it? What do they always say? Strike rich, or strike it rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of the the prospector from the Rudolph uh, movie, Rudolph Red Nosed Reindeer. There's gold in these mountains, and he lifts his pick, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> That's the kind of guy we're looking at here. So in this time, three prospectors decided to try their luck up north. Now, word had spread of an untouched valley up in the Nahani River, and these three men knew that they might be able to find gold up there, especially being first, Mm because it was, quote, untouched. So in 1904, three brothers, Charlie, Frank, and Willie McLeod, set off from Alberta 
to what we now call the 200-mile gorge. They intended on heading up to Alaska through the Nahani uh, River area, prospecting on their way, Alaska being where a lot of people were headed for gold. So they are going through, trying to find gold along the way. Mm -hmm. They struck it. Perfect. If not, they make their way over to Alaska where everyone else is. Um, but in doing so, like this Nahani untouched river area was a shortcut to okay. the Alaska area. Did they not know the stories? Well, they may have known some. But what we do know, though, as per shortcuts, shortcuts are usually a shortcut for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise they would just be the normal way to go. Right. So, yeah. They ended up finding themselves following what is called the Flat River, heading upstream into the Nahani Valley, ignoring the warnings from the Denehe people that I'm sure they received. Oh, my gosh. Um, the McLeod brothers only had the most basic of camping gear. Their guns, their, pro their tools for prospecting, uh, and, of course, Canada, being Canada, had a very cold winter, especially, apparently, particularly this winter. Okay. But regardless, they were very experienced outdoorsmen. They knew how to handle themselves. They knew how to survive the winters, the wilds, provide for themselves, you name it. Mm -hmm. They were not going into this blind, basically. Yeah, it sounds like they thought they were set. They were ready to go. 100%. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look, around, look at people like around here where we live now, we're smack dab in the middle of British Columbia. There's a lot of outdoorsmen here. Mm -hmm. Most of which today, they think they're very capable in the bush. Put them out there for a week on their own with the kind of gear that these guys had, they'd be dead in three days. These guys, different story. You could easily put them out there with nothing and they'd probably have a cabin built in a week. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Very that's, comfortable, very knowledgeable, very experienced. Well, and we're talking the 1900s, right? This, mm -hmm. this is the kind of person you have to be yeah. to even exist yeah. in this type of lifestyle. They didn't have places like Atmosphere or whatever where you could go buy no. your $500 jackets and shit to no. keep you warm. You're not going to have a North Face jacket in your Arcteric sleeping bag. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so anyways, on their very first day in this area, the brothers made their camp. And they struck it big on the riverside. Did they? In no time at all. The brothers had filled every single spare container they had with gold, reportedly. Oh my gosh. And they marked the spot on their maps, knowing that they couldn't possibly carry any more. Holy. They, they were going to come back later, right? That's exciting as shit for them. So they piled it into their boat and set along the flat river. Now the flat river is anything but flat. And like I said... It's not a shortcut. Well, it's a shortcut for a reason because it would be the way otherwise, right? Right. So the brothers found out very quickly and the hard way that only a little bit downstream from where they were, you know, the river became much more turbulent. Okay. And in doing so, trying to go through these rapids, their boat flipped and destroyed. Oh, uh, and they lost all their gold. Oh, you betcha. Oh my gosh. They managed to swim ashore picked some of the gear that they could, but most of their supplies, mining gear, gold, the boat, gone. Okay, that would just be devastating. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh. So undeterred though, the McLeod brothers made camp again. They did have some supplies that they managed to save. Now they now had to build another boat, however, to continue on the river and get their way out of there. And they figured by the time they'd done that, they'd have all the gold they need once again if they mined the river there where they're making camp. Okay. But this time, they weren't so lucky. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. By the time the boat was done, the brothers had nothing to show for their mining in the area. Oh, shit. And of course, they were out of their supplies too. So, not wanting to risk it, the McLeod brothers headed home. They needed to get out of there, they needed to restock and supply, right? Mm-hmm. And the two of them knew that they wanted to head straight back right away. They had a taste for gold and they found it along the river and gold fever, which is a very real thing, had a grip on them. Right. Yeah. I actually remember learning about that at Barkerville. Yeah. Gold Mm -hmm. fever had people going nutso. Yeah. So in 1905, Frank and Willie, two of the brothers, organized another trip uh, to head right back. Okay. Just two of the brothers, sorry? Just two. Okay. Um, they took better gear this time, but Charlie, uh, the third brother, he didn't want to test his luck again. He's like, you know what? I don't know about this. That was pretty rough waters and stuff. We flipped it last time. You, you guys go do your thing. So Charlie out of the picture, Frank and Willie actually brought along a friend by the name of Robert Weir instead to replace Charlie on the adventure or expedition or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Yep. So they had left for the border between... Uh, the Denehe people's land and the valley. They hopped into the canoe and started paddling upstream or boat or whatever it really was. It's kind of unclear. Um, But this was the last time anyone saw them alive. Oh my gosh. So that one brother, I was like, this is going to pay off for him. Yeah. It was a a life-changing decision, a life-saving decision. Oh my gosh. Which is always, yeah, you got to listen to your gut, but that's also, he's, he just has lost two brothers, Yeah, which is devastating. It is. And I do want to mention here, like, because they were expected to be gone for quite some while, uh, it took a long time for anyone to really realize that these two brothers were missing. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, They had been gone for about a year by the time their brother Charlie began to suspect that something was wrong. That's a really long time. Well, I mean, remember this is the 1900s. So, and assume that they were busy mining gold up there. Yeah. Um, They're in the middle of nowhere. A year without word of them was kind of probably like, I don't know, equivalent of the Kardashians not upgrading their Instagram in one day. (laughs) Like that's kind of what I'm assuming here. So, yeah, that's actually probably a very good comparison. (laughs) I mean, it's true. I'm sorry. 
But oh, it was like he was like expecting to hear from them within a year, sort of. Okay. Thing. So when the yeah. year lapsed, he's like, okay, maybe something's going on. It's much. It was much harder to get in touch with people back then. Oh, for sure. There's no cell phones. There's yeah. There's, no like, Instagram. No FaceTime. Probably not even pigeons to carry a fucking letter for you. Yeah, there's nothing. No. So I'm sure there was pigeons. It just didn't use them in this for <laughs> for. I'm gonna go and. <laughs> Up into the bush gold mining. I doubt he brought a fucking pigeon. You yeah, know, I doubt like, You know it. what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, by this time, Charlie had to wait though, even though by the time he discovered like, hey, something might be going on, he had to wait for the following summer for it to be safe for him to follow his brother's trails in search of it. Oh my gosh. So it was about two years almost Holy later. Shit. I can't even imagine not even being able to go and investigate or like you, it's going to be on your mind, but there's literally nothing you can do. Nothing. Oh, I hate that. Um, now, this is also kind of when rumors began to run rampant about these men striking it rich in a river full of gold. Um, there was talk in the area of the area in the valley uh, that there was gold like no other. Uh, there was gold everywhere. There was this great big waterfall that was like another world. Uh, the forest even surrounding the waterfall was tropical with you know, uh, orchids mm -hmm. growing in the mist. Yeah. Um, it sounds magical. It does. There was even rumors of like ancient beasts, like mammoths and shit. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, basically like an Eldorado sort of situation that these two brothers had stumbled on. Huh? Uh, so the ancient creatures, tropical, all that sort of stuff aside, uh, the gold was enough to strike people's interest in the potential of making their own move in the area. Mm -hmm. Thinking that these two brothers were up there found all this gold, there's no need for them to come back. Yeah. They're just living a life in this like golden freaking mine of gold, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Which the brother could have even thought that too, right? Or Potentially. Because I think lots of times back then, like, yeah, I mean, your life situations change and there isn't the means of really letting people know or whatever. So I, I feel like that could have been an option too, right? Yeah. That the brother was sinking. Exactly. So this sort of thing piqued a lot of other people's interest and they were now thinking about making their own move into the area mm -hmm. for search of gold and finding this um, plot of gold that the brothers found too and getting their stake and their share in it. So uh, back to Charlie though. In 1908, he and a search party of four of other men headed out following the river upstream where he and his brother set out a few years prior to go for gold. Mm-hmm. So it was on July 24th of 1908, he would find his brother's camp on the riverbank of the South Nahani River. It was just around the second canyon area. And here is where he would find his brothers as well. Now he instantly knew something terrible had happened to his brothers. They looked like they'd been coming out of the tent when whatever happened had happened to them. Oh no. One of them was found halfway in and halfway out of the tent, the other just in front, his arm still stretched out and reaching towards a gun that was leaning oh, against the tree shit. just a few feet away. Both of them were badly decomposed and both were missing their heads. Whoa, okay. And it was actually only through their clothes and some of the personal items left inside the tent that Charlie was actually able yeah. to identify the remains. They were decomposed fairly badly, mind you. And there was no trace of the third man, Robert, anyway. Okay, I was just going to ask, where's the friend? No, he was gone. 
So with him gone and the only two witnesses to what had happened dead, there was nothing for Charlie to do but to head out of the valley and notify the RCMP or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for those non-Canadian people out there. Did they think that it, did Charlie think it could potentially have been the friend? Uh, there is speculation of that. I'll touch on that here shortly. Okay. So the RCMP also made their way to the scene uh, where they also found a carving on a tree nearby. Now this carving said, quote, we have found a good prospect. Neither of the men had any gold on them and there wasn't any at the campsite. There was no gold to be found, but yet they wrote on a tree, we found a good prospect. Hmm. And there had been the rumors and stuff too, right? That they had. Yes. Yeah. Found, in fact, a good prospect, a, an Eldorado, if you will. So, of course, with the missing gold, these two men killed. The theory that you just mentioned sprang up that maybe Robert had killed them, stolen the gold. However, another set of skeletal remains, also missing its head, was found downstream a few months later. Oh, okay. No one could confirm that it belonged to Robert, but in the end, they attributed the remains to him. That it was most likely, yeah. Yes. And just like the other two before, no gold was found. Hmm. The RCMP then said that all of the men had died out of starvation and claimed that large animals like bears and wolves had then gotten to the remains and that was why the heads were missing. And they just went after the heads. That's it, hey? Yeah, that apparently. Makes, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Um, they will pick your body clean. Um, bears, for example, they'll they'll start with your stomach. They'll well, go, yeah, they'll I go was, for the organs. I was going to say that because the head isn't the juiciest part of the body. No. To, it's a terrible description. But. No. What, uh, what an animal will do, they'll bite your neck. They'll break your neck and paralyze you. And then they'll start eating your soft underbelly. Mm -hmm. You'll see that in wildlife constantly they go for like the, the butt and the underbelly that's where all the nutrients and the best meat and stuff is why would they go for a skull and they don't but isn't it sometimes they don't even kill you they'll, they'll start eating you alive oh right? yeah. yeah yeah if if a bear <clears throat> excuse me if a bear attacks you wolves attack you cougar whatever they don't kill you they just eat you <laughs> yeah yeah there's recordings out there um of individuals getting Ooh. attacked and yeah you hear eating and screaming holy shit see this is why i have a fear lately of going hiking like i don't know it's terrifying animals are terrifying they're terrifying nature's fucking scary it is scary uh, so i highly doubt that animals are responsible for removing a head and consuming only a head only the head yeah it um, doesn't make any sense no they'll pick you clean they will They'll eat you. And a bear, particularly a uh, grizzly, will drag you away and bury you for later because they like that rancid meat. Nice. Yeah. These are good visuals here. Beautiful, right? Yeah. And smell it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, news quickly spread, adding some legitimacy to the Denehe story about the evil spirits in the valley. But it looked like McLeod's had struck gold in the valley, not once, but twice okay so they should have had some money or some gold should have but the the first time we have a witness a brother who said yeah we had a shit ton of gold but yeah. capsized yeah second time around they wrote on a tree we found good prospect right 
So there's, there's gold there mm -hmm. and there should be lots of it by the sound of it. So that patch river was, um, was named the headless Creek. Sorry. The headless Creek. The headless Creek. I kind of. Quite the name. Yeah. Headless Creek. And I'm sure you can imagine why. Mm -hmm. uh, the Valley renamed the headless Valley and still because of the rumors of gold, people went out in search of the McLeod's mind, AKA the El Dorado of the North. Oh my gosh. Nothing will deter people. Hey, no <laughs> people will do fucking anything for money. Guaranteed. Well, I mean, it also just sounded just like almost heaven on earth too, right? Oh, I mean. The description, some of the, okay, some of the descriptions, like the waterfall, the orchid, like the tropical, not the headless men, but. Yeah, definitely not. But yeah, the endless riches of gold. Yeah. A beautiful tropical location in the Canadian north with beautiful beasts and flowers. Like, yeah, it sounds like an El Dorado. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is named the El Dorado of the north. Hmm. And I'm sure that picture coupled with gold fever would draw the attention of some individuals oh yeah which it most certainly did well yeah they everyone always thinks it's not gonna happen to me yeah so let's now uh let's talk about some other individuals that uh ventured into the area okay. and their fate so in 1917 a prospector named martin jorgensen wrote home saying that he found gold in the nahani valley martin was all on his own and he planned to be out in the wilderness looking for gold all through the winter to survive, he'd built a small wooden cabin, and while doing that, that's when he struck gold. He wrote home, telling his partners to meet up with him when it was safe to travel. But when Martin didn't show up at the meeting spot he'd specified, they knew something was most likely wrong. Fearing the worst, his partners set off into the valley to look for him. And find him, they did. Headless. He was right beside his cabin, cabin which had been completely burned down. And he was headless. Holy shit. That being the fourth body total that had been found without its head. Mm -hmm. Fourth prospector, assuming, because the third body is not clarified if it was that individual, but it's attributed to, so we can assume. However, though, even still being the fourth body headless, fourth prospector, the police made zero connections between Martin and the McLeod brothers at the time. His head was, of course, never located, and neither was the gold that he claimed to have found in his letter to his partners. Holy. Just like the others, head gone, gold gone. Yeah, exactly the same. And no one around to be... Of witness or anything. Yeah, no one to attribute it to. The news about this discovery also quickly spread, and the elusive McLeod mine, you know, it uh, reignited. Prospectors flooded the valley. Oh my gosh. That is just so bizarre to me. It's okay. Yeah. Some of them made it out of the valley alive, completely unharmed. Okay, that's good. Some of them not so lucky. And did any of them that made it out alive also make it out with a bunch of gold? Probably not. Not, not that I found. Okay. I'm sure some people found some gold. I mean, they say like on the Fraser River, which is just running through our city. If you go gold panning on the Fraser River, you will find gold and you will find it every single time. But the amount is very, minimal. very small. Yeah. So it's probably like, I don't know, if you pan for half an hour, you might find five cents in gold, but you will find gold like hmm. every time. That's really cool, though. I actually kind of want to go do it one day. Yeah. But there's there's legality issues with that. Oh, is there? There is. Yeah. OK. So I, I wouldn't even have known that. I think you probably just go to like a, a spot where you're not 
no one's watching you and just go pan. People do that all the time. I think if you're yeah, just going to pan for an afternoon, I don't think anyone will fucking care, but probably not. But there is legal issues with it. There's that's what they call it a claim, a claim to hold the rights to pull the minerals and oh, stuff okay. out of the river. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, the next story is 1926. A woman named Annie Lafferty was part of a hunting party near the Flat River. Now, when everyone at camp went to sleep for that night, she was still with them. But when they woke up in the morning, she was gone. The hunting party spent the day looking for her. But when they couldn't find her, they were unfortunately forced to move on without her. Oh, boy. Now, they did notify the RCMP who came out and searched the area, but they couldn't find Annie anywhere. Now, months later, a Native American called Big Charlie heard about the search and went to speak to the police himself. He claimed to have been near the hunting party that night, not being part of the same group as them, mm -hmm. but out on his own camping near the same river when he'd heard the sounds of rocks falling into the river in the middle of the night. He claims to have seen a woman out in the forest and heading up the mountain a little ways away from where he had made camp. He said that she had been completely nude and clearly out of her mind. Hmm. She'd been crawling on all fours, knocking rocks into the river as she was climbing up the mountain. He said that she looked possessed, which oh. is why he'd been too afraid to chase after her himself. Well, yeah. I don't think I would. Yeah. That's terrifying. That was the last suspected sighting of Annie. Huh. Wow. Okay. She'd never been found. Hmm. Now, only a year later in 1927, officials in the area discovered the skeletal remains of a man just off Bennett Creek. This man went by Yukon Fisher uh, and the Royal, the RCMP uh, had actually been on the lookout for him several years earlier when they found him in the valley. Now, they'd caught wind of him trading gold nuggets for goods along the frontier, but they couldn't have expected to find him dead remarkably close to where the McLeod brothers had been found about 20 years before. Only a year after that. Headless uh, or no? They're not headless anymore. No, he okay. wasn't headless. Okay. Only a year after that, though, a prospector called Angus Hall just vanished. He was walking ahead of his party when they suddenly lost sight of him and he was never seen again. Wow. In 1931, another burnt down cabin was found with another body inside of it. Phil Powers had been another prospector out in the search of gold, but this time... And to great dispute, the RCMP ruled the death to be the result of a faulty stovepipe burning his cabin down. Now, others claim that it was clear that the fire had started on his roof, which would have given Phil plenty of time to escape had he had been alive at the time the fire had started, adding speculation to him being killed prior. Hmm. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many cases that it's just there's something going on. Well, there's more to come. Because oh, okay. in 1936, two mall prospectors, Bill Maholland and Bill Empier, disappeared. Search of the Valley came back with nothing except their cabin, which had also been completely burnt to the ground. Huh. In 1945, Ernest Savard, a miner from Ontario, was found dead in his sleeping bag. He was headless. His head was never found, but something else was not too far from where his body was. Out in the forest, a trapper by the name of John O'Brien was found sitting next to his campfire. In his hands was a match. But John was frozen to death before he was able to get the fire started in front of him. Oh, boy. Witnesses would later say that it looked like John had been, quote, flash frozen because he looked like he had been fine one moment 
then completely frozen stiff the next. Wow. Okay. Which is not how it really works. Not generally. Yeah. In 1946, another prospector named John Patterson went into the valley and failed to meet up again with his partner, later at the arranged time and place. His partners notified the police, who then went in search of the valley, but they didn't find anything until the last night of the search, just as they were about to leave the area for good. On the last night of the search, local indigenous made their way to the camp, who specifically warned the search party about, quote, white figures that were out and about that night. They warned them that they were down by the river and they were in the forest as well. But they had one more warning. They said that the party should be extra careful to make sure that the white figures didn't see them. <laughs> that night, people in the search party claimed to have heard strange noises and wailings coming from the forest that they had heard on the previous nights of the search. The very next morning, the leader told the party to pack their things. Yeah. And they got out of there before nightfall. Get the hell out. Could you imagine that? Oh, I don't think that you get like a wink of sleep that night. Probably not. Oh, that's terrifying. Now, to continue on with those white figures, I didn't write this down, this part down. I didn't do any research on it, but I did hear a couple other podcasts talk about it when I was kind of doing some research on this case. There was uh, stories of um, creatures, we'll say, hairy creatures. To me, very reminiscent of the... Uh, Description of Bigfoot or Yeti. Yeah, that's or where, where I went to. Yeah. Um, being in this valley. And they quote were led by a pale skinned woman. The the Yetis. The Yetis or whatever they were. So these huh. figures sound a lot like that to me. Wow. Okay. I mean, honestly, I like there's a lot of people out there that believe in that right yeah and those figure what would you call them those beings yeah and that would be the place that they would be oh you betcha right a hundred percent oh you fucking betcha so i i don't know i can see it i, I maybe believe it I, I yeah i um i'm a believer let's put it that way mm -hmm. uh so since 1908 an established sorry an estimated 44 people have either met mysterious deaths or simply disappeared in the Nahani Valley. And that's since 1908. Wow. Starting with the brothers. Now, maybe they, they only became part of like a name on the list attributed to the individuals who passed away in part of the story of the Headless Valley, or sorry, Valley of Headless Men. But also maybe their deaths have really kind of proven the Denehe people's story of evil spirits, potentially hungry cannibalistic giants. Or potentially even just, who knows, the Naha people are really still alive and causing all this themselves. Oh, geez. I wouldn't have gone there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it was a simple warlike tribe that's just out there who are, you know, taking care of unwanted visitors in their home. It's a very high possibility. Well, I don't know very high, but it is a possibility. And uh, now you can go and take a tour and pay big bucks. <laughs> well, I mean, some of it. Like, like the truth is we still don't know why people disappeared to start off with in the Naha, in the Nahani Valley. And we probably never will. Um, but patches of the valley, um, and many of the surrounding headless valley being specifically have been permanently closed to the public. You cannot go there. Okay. That's probably fair. Um, but there are some spots you can go to and it is very restricted. Um, now the official statement on why, um, is that they've been closed to protect the land from us, but there are many people out there who think that it's actually the other way around, mm -hmm. protecting us 
from the land. Yeah, that's almost like a government like what's the conspiracy kind yeah like don't what's the one area 51 right area 51 yeah yeah. kind of like that like this is restricted like don't go there there's like weird shit going on yeah don't go here but there's nothing secretive happening yeah but don't go there fine like if you went there you'd be fine right like but don't go there or we'll shoot you (laughs) oh so yeah that's the uh story of the the valley of the headless men is it weird that i still have this like slight desire to go there no because it sounds like a gorgeous place it does sound unbelievable but it's also terrifying i'd be scared shitless now couple that with the idea of you being able to go there and strike it rich overnight yeah and gold fever and all that sort of stuff what is kiwi doing he's kiwi running is rampant. being possessed right now by oh, something yes that happens almost nightly i know he's he's acting acting a fool up in here yeah calm down kiwi he's good probably not <laughs> But yeah, that was a wild story. That was fun to research. That it, would be interesting to research that one. It was, it's, it's a different case because it's like a little bit history. Who knows if it is crime being involved? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it is animals, but I think the likelihood of it being animals, zero to none. Yeah. It would and, have to be some sort of animal that we're not like used to that we oh, don't yeah. know of because yeah, I don't feel like an animal would just be like ripping off people's heads and no. and call it a day. Now, uh, there is a couple things I do want to say against this, though, too. Um, one, out of 44 potential people, of course, some of those are just people going in the river, drowning, getting mm-hmm. lost, that sort of stuff. Legit survival, like gone wrong kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And But that doesn't explain all of it. People's missing heads, a uh, woman acting possessed in mm-hmm. the middle of the night sort of thing, these white figures. There are reported stories, and I'm going to go the whole – uh, Sasquatch wrote here for a second. There are reported stories and there is um, some photographic evidence. I'm I'm not going to say it's evidence per se because it doesn't really prove anything. It just shows some weird shit. But there's photographic evidence of Sasquatch, suspected Sasquatch activity where deer's heads have been like twisted and like twisted off. In that area? Just like in Pacific Northwest. Oh my gosh. Oh, so I hate that. There's photos of deer's head. Like people find just a dead deer randomly and its head is like twisted and its neck has been like twisted around like five or Holy six times. Shit. Hmm. So like what the fuck's doing that? Yeah. What would be doing that? And I would think that whatever is doing that could potentially be the same thing or whatever that removed some heads in the Headless Valley. Potentially. Well, and I mean, it honestly sounds like a place that that would they would just thrive there, right? Like Sasquatches oh, yeah. or whatever. So oh, an untouched fucking valley. Yeah. That humans cannot get to. Even if they can get to, they're not allowed to get yeah. to. And if they do go there, it's heavily restricted and toured through. Yeah. Yeah. Like there would just be endless food and resources mm-hmm. for them, and they can do their go on their merry way. One thing that I want to think about here is these cave systems up on the side of these mm. canyons. Literally no one's ever been in there. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's terrifying. Not a single person, not a single human that we know of has ever stepped foot in these caves. I don't think I would even, like you couldn't pay me enough money to go in to one of those caves. No? No. What if that is like a civilization in there of these creatures or beings? <laughs> I'm not saying that then they- Then you're dead. Probably, especially <laughs> if you go in there. But I'm not saying that they're simply like, oh, you know, they're they're digging holes in the side of the mountain. No. What if it's just like a lookout into the canyon and it goes like miles off into the forest, other directions and connects to other ones on the other side and like all this weird, crazy stuff. 
It's a big old rabbit hole going yeah. down. No kidding. <laughs> I feel like you could probably even spend more time on this and just, probably. you could have just gone crazy. Now I want to touch on the most realistic situation. And it might not be the situation that I think most people would really think is the most realistic, but it is to me. What if there is an untouched tribe of indigenous out there? Someone that's a tribe that's completely disconnected that is very much so protecting their land from invaders. Because there are untouched tribes in the world today. Few, but there are. Hmm. What if there is one in this area that we just have never realized is still there? Hmm. I feel like at this point we would know. You would think. That's but possible. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. It's crazy to think, though, like just how the technology and everything that we have that there's just in the world, really, there's still so much unknown. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Well, look at the oceans, for yeah. example. Like we know like what, like 5% of our oceans? Yeah. Like that's like, and I'm talking like, like mapped. Mm -hmm. That's not even like what lives in it. Yeah. It kind of makes you, for one, feel very small and then also very ter terrified. <laughs> yeah. Not to say space, you know? Yeah. What, what do we have mapped of space? Literally nothing. It's not like, a oh, lot. There's our moon. That's another planet. What's on it? No fucking clue. <laughs> oh my God. You know, like really? Yeah. Ben could do a whole nother podcast or many episodes on just all this shit. Oh. I feel like. Oh. You get Ben Hell talking yeah. about this. Like he won't stop. If you give me a drink and get me on these sort of weird topic shit, I'll keep going for days. Yes, for 100%. days. I've had to hear a lot of these, these yeah. theories and these thoughts. <laughs> um, which leads me to say, I should probably shut the fuck up here. We should probably let you guys go. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you want to check out our social media links, website, anything, it's all down below. If you want to be one of the ones who joins us on Patreon, supports the show just a little bit extra, we appreciate that. Link is down below in the description of this podcast too. Um, also, as we discovered recently, you can go ahead and... Uh, comment on spotify yeah it's very cool actually yeah so we're gonna make sure that there's questions up there for you on on episodes you can go ahead and comment interact um if you have a request please feel free to submit it though if you request it on spotify we won't be posting that publicly but we will be making note of it mm -hmm. in our notebooks absolutely so just a heads up on that yeah anything else no well done thank you yeah. appreciate it you, you brought us down another rabbit hole as per usual as per usual this one was a weird one but a fun one <laughs> yeah it was fun all right. Well, uh, until next episode, which uh, we got, I got another one I'm doing here. Might not be a, a strange one like this. I think we're going to go a little bit more the murder route this time. But uh, until then. Until then. Stay wicked. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.